we sing two of my favorite songs. Of course, everybody's favorite is Amazing Grace, almost everybody. But I also love uh, how he loves us. Uh, David Crowder band, first time I ever heard that line, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. I was hooked. What's the biggest lie you've ever believed? Now, some of us, our knee-jerk reaction to a question like that is to say, well, I've never believed a lie. I mean, either, either people in my life don't lie to me or I can always sniff them out. I can always tell when somebody's lying to me. Well, I don't want this to get too personal or too painful for any of us, so I'll just say six words. Santa Claus, <laughs> Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy. How about this? How many of you got that email forward that said cell phone users have to register their numbers with the do not call registry before the deadline because cell phone numbers are going to be turned over to telemarketers? Raise your hand if you got that one. Anybody besides me? All right. How many of you called to put your number on the list? You don't have to raise your hand for that one. Or may. Maybe you got an email forward that said that the artificial sweetener aspartame has been proven to cause cancer and brain tumors and multiple sclerosis. Did you get that one? How many times have you forwarded an email to everyone in your inbox because you were told that you would get money from Microsoft? Or free shoes from Nike. Or free clothing from The Gap. Or a free laptop from IBM. Or free gift cards from Old Navy or J. Crew, Outback Steakhouse, Bath and Body Works. Are you detecting a pattern here? So you know what I do? If I get an, an email forward in my inbox, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but if I get an email forward in my inbox... I automatically assume that it is not true and work backwards from there. The reason for that is because none of the stuff I just mentioned is true. None of it. There is no do not call registry for cell phones. There's also no plan to turn cell phone numbers over to telemarketers. Aspartame has been tested for 25 years. It's never been linked uh, with cancer, brain tumors, multiple sclerosis. Not one single time. And I don't care how many emails you forward. Nobody's going to send you anything for forwarding them. Okay? Even if they tell you that if you break the chain, Jesus will be sad. Do not send those emails to everybody in your inbox. We're continuing our series Welcome to Graceland with a, with a slight shift of emphasis. We're going we're gonna to leave off beating on that poor dead horse of religious legalism for a while, and we're just going to talk about truth. We're going to talk about the truth, because the Bible is full of things that are true about us only because of grace. I mean, page after page after page of the Bible 
there are things that are true about us only because of God's grace. Because we live in Graceland, the Bible says some important things about followers of Jesus. It says, for example, that we are accepted. We're God's children. We are called Christ's friends. We have access to God through the Holy Spirit. We are accepted. The Bible says that we are secure, that we're free from condemnation, that no charge brought against us can, can possibly stick, that the good work God began in us will be perfected. And the Word of God says that we are significant. It says that we are God's workmanship. I've always loved that verse because the Greek word for workmanship is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. You are God's poetry. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. All of that and more, much, much more is true about you and me. The Bible says so. But we've got a problem. We've got a problem. Because a lie believed as truth will affect us as if it were true. <clears throat> Do you get that? A lie that we believe is true, even though it's not true, will affect us as if it were true. That's why we pass on those email forward. You know, that's why we take action based on those things. We've got another problem. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to rob us of our identity in Christ. We've got a spiritual enemy who would like nothing more than to convince us that all of the stuff that the Bible says is true about us, well, that's true about other Christians. Not me. I mean, that stuff can't be true about me. That is amazing truth. I'm glad it's in there, but that can't be true about me. I, I've messed up. I, I'm weak. I have all these sinful thoughts. Sometimes I take action on them. Those are all great truths, but they just can't be true about me. Listen, what is the devil's greatest weapon? In John 8, Jesus said this, The devil is a liar. And the father of lies. You know the truth is, that's all the devil's got. Lies. The strongest weapons in his arsenal are lies. When the devil lies, he's speaking his native language. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the lies that our spiritual enemy wants us to believe. Some of the ways he wants to derail our lives. And we're going to try to get our heads around some of the grace-filled, graceland truth that trumps every one of those lies. <coughs> I don't say this very often, but if you will lean in for the next few weeks, I mean just lean in, listen, take notes, go through those study questions on the back of the sermon notes, Get in a life group. Use the resources that we give you. I'm going to tell you something. I believe it will change your life. It will change your, your mind. It will change your heart. It will change your life.
Today we're going to look at one of the most common lies that the, that the enemy wants us to believe. And it's the lie that says, I have to be strong. I have to be strong. I have to hold it all together. If it is to be, it's up to me. I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've got to work harder. I have to perform better. I've got to produce more. I have to be strong. That is one of the biggest lies that our enemy tells us to try to choke the life out of us. In John 8.32, Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We will know the what? The truth. And what will the truth do? It will set us free. This lie we believe about having to be strong comes at us from a lot of different directions. And, and here's what I want you to do. If you've got your, your sermon notes, the green sheet that was in your bulletin, you see some boxes there. And we're going to talk about some of the categories uh, that, that this, this lie, I have to be strong, some of the categories that, that, that this comes to us through. And what I want you to do this morning is just be honest enough before the Lord to check off the box as we fill them in if it applies to you. If you can relate to that, if you see yourself wrongly believing that in your life, because what that's going to do is it's going to help you prepare for a life group this week. And life group is going to be a place where you can talk about your struggles and you can talk about, um, get encouragement and, and be prayed for and be set free. So let's look at the first one. This is going to fill in that first blank there next to the box. Some of us are caught up in this, I have to be strong lie because we think we have to be emotionally strong. We think we've got to be emotionally strong. Some of us know people, people that we love who are just emotional wrecks. They're emotionally weak, and they are struggling, and we just feel like, you know what, I have to be there for them. I have to be strong for them. Sometimes it's, um, it's children and their parents their, their marriage is struggling, and, and the children feel like, you know what, we have to be strong for our parents. If we work really hard, we can help keep their marriage together. It works the other way, too. Sometimes the parents feel that way for their children. Man, our, our marriage is really messed up, but for the sake of the children, we have to hold it together. We have to be strong. And deep down, we're afraid. Or we feel vulnerable, but we don't want anybody to know. Because we think we have to be emotionally strong for other people. If, if you can relate to that, just check that box. Maybe some of us are dealing with another category. And let's call it being provisionally strong. Provisionally strong. Maybe you can relate to this. Somebody's got to run this household. Somebody's got to keep everything in order. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. We'd said it ain't going to get done where I'm from, but that's all right. <coughs> you speak good Hoosiers, so. Got to get dinner on the table. 
Got to make sure all the laundry's done. Got to balance the checkbook. Got to work in the yard, make sure the yard gets done. Got to, got to take care of these people. Sometimes that feeling of being provisionally strong comes from financial pressure. I mean, man, we are struggling financially. Maybe I should get another job. Maybe I should take on more hours at work. We should get better at budgeting. We need to take some kind of financial class. How are we going to pay our bills? Gas just keeps going up. Food's getting more expensive. The kids have all their activities. Things are so difficult right now. Can I just tell you something? My household goes through a gallon of milk a day. And I got two that are lactose intolerant. (laughs) Thank you for laughing at their infirmity. It looks like a plague of locusts has swept through our house sometime. I came home the other day from the store with four bags of tortilla chips. Vicky said, why did you buy so much? I said, because I want them to last till tomorrow. <laughs> How many of you would say, I, I feel your pain? Provisionally, I feel like I have to be strong. Check that box. How about this one? Spiritually strong. I I have to be spiritually strong. I mean, we may be the only believer in our family or maybe one of just a few. And, and, And I have to carry the weight spiritually for my family. Or maybe we've got a lot of of unsaved friends, friends who aren't believers, and we think, you know what, I've got to be a good witness, and I've got to to say the right things to them, and I've got to pray the right prayers for them. Maybe we're the only Christian where we work, and we know there are a lot of eyes on us to see if we're living what we say we believe. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Or maybe we're a life group leader, and we're afraid... Somebody's going to ask us a question we don't know the answer to. You know, I, I have to keep up the illusion of being spiritually strong, of being the mature one here. If you would say, yeah, yeah, that's me. I, I feel like I have to be spiritually strong for others. Then you would check that box. One more category. We'll call it being professionally strong. Some of us may be in terrible work environments. I mean, we say, I, I've just got to be strong, and I've just got to make it to quitting time each day on this job that I absolutely cannot stand. I'm looking around to make sure none of my staff is going... Some of us might say, well, well, my pressure, my, my professional strength pressure is completely different. I just feel like there's a big weight on my shoulders. And, and if I don't get it done around here, it's not going to happen. If I underperform, it's going to affect a lot of people. Can I, can I just be honest with you and admit that I struggle with that one? I mean, I feel like there's a lot riding on my performance. What if I mess up? And hurt the ministry of of our church? What if I make a mistake that that stops the growth that God is giving us? What if I just 
totally wad up a message. And people don't come back. You know, you invited your friend, and I just blow it. And, and they don't ever get another opportunity to hear the gospel. What if I do something that jeopardizes the kingdom work in our community? I'm telling you, I feel that kind of pressure. Now, how many of you, in relation to your job, your work, would say, I can relate to that? Professionally, I feel like I have to be strong. And check the box. And let me tell you this. The bad news is that if you checked off three or more of those categories, it's game over. There's no hope for you. You just should go home now. <laughs> Not real. The good news is that while Satan wants us to believe the lie, I have to be strong. Jesus wants to reveal the truth to us. And when we experience the truth, the truth will set us free. See, here's the deal. No matter how strong we are or how strong we think we are, our strength is limited. Our strength is limited. Eventually, we're going to run out. <laughs> and some of you would say, hey, Scott, I already ran out. There's just more than I can handle. I got too much going on. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. <coughs> There's some symptoms. Maybe, maybe it seems like your fuse is just really, really short. And you explode in anger. And very often you explode on the people you love the most. Bless you. Maybe you're consumed with pressure and with guilt. If I just worked harder, if I was better. I mean, I could be a better parent. I could be a better spouse. I could be a better child for my parents. Oh, and you know what? I could be a better Christian, but there's just so much going on. I don't have the ability to get it all done. And guess what? You're exactly right. You don't have the ability to get it all done. We were not created by God to have the ability in our own strength. Our strength is limited intentionally, on purpose. That's the way we were created. But don't miss this. God's strength is unlimited. Our strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. And that's why God wants us to depend not on our own power, not on our own strength, but on His unlimited spiritual power. A few weeks ago, an offering. Bless your heart, sir. A few weeks ago, Vicki decided she wanted some bushes out from in front of the house. She just wanted them out from there. Now, if you've been around here very long at all, you know I'm not a handyman. I mean, y'all know this, right? I'm not a handyman. Um, I don't have the right tools for anything. It doesn't matter what the project is. I go to my toolbox. 
I've got like a spoon <laughs> and a roll of tape, like scotch tape, not even duct tape or electrical tape, just scotch tape and uh, one of those multi-piece little tool sets and a little zipper pouch that the gas station gave away if you bought a pack of cigarettes all those years ago, you know, and that's it. <laughs> that's what I got. So, so my bride starts hacking at those bushes with hedge clippers and a hedge trimmer. These are big bushes. If you've seen my, uh, where we live, you know these are big bushes. And, and her plan was to get them down as far as she could with those things. And then she was going to use my weak electric chainsaw. Seriously? Who buys an electric chainsaw? <laughs> How far in the woods are you going to get with that? <laughs> well, now it don't work. I'll tell you why I bought it. Because the gas one was $139 and the electric one was $39. That's why I bought it. Well, she was going to use that weak electric chainsaw to cut them down some more and then dig them out with a shovel. So bless her heart. She's out there hacking away. And our neighbors, sitting right back there, Clint and Kim Fletcher, come walking down the sidewalk. They stop and chat for, for a moment. And, and Clint asks Vicki, what, what are you doing here? What are you, what's going on? And, and she tells him her plan. Now, I've known Clint for a couple years. We're, we're pretty good cross-fence neighbors. They come to life group at our house. We go to life group at their house. I know Clint. I don't pretend to know what he's thinking, but I have a pretty good idea of what he might have been thinking then. <laughs> but what he said was, let me go get my truck. And so he goes and gets his truck. He comes back with some rope, uh, some, some, some cable, and, and ties off those bushes, and pop, 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 pop. In 15 minutes, all four of them were out of the ground. If Clint had not come along, we would still be out there hacking at those bushes, <laughs> right? But the, the hedge clippers would be broken, the trimmers wouldn't work, we, and we'd be out there with a steak knife and a post hole digger. I mean, <laughs> we'd still be trying to get them up. Here's the point. In that situation, there were two kinds of strength. There was hedge clipper strength, and there was dodge truck strength. One of them got the job done. Only one of them could have gotten the job done. Many of us are trying to do life out of our own limited strength. And we wonder why we're frustrated and worn out and, and exhausted and can't get it done. That's because there's our limited human strength. And there's unlimited strength from God. Our strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. Look in your, look in your Old Testament at the, the prophet Isaiah. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verses 30 and 31. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. These verses may be somewhat familiar to some of us. He says, even youths 
will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Remember when you were a kid and you ran everywhere, right? Just as fast as your feet would take you. I mean, you can't tell it to look at me, but I used to run everywhere. When I was five, six, seven years old, ran everywhere. Had to be restrained to keep me from running. Had to threaten me to keep me from running. Had to tell me lies when they got me to church. This is God's house. And you don't run in God's house. Why not? Nobody ever told me why. Just run all day long. But Isaiah says even youth like that will get tired. They'll weaken. Remember when you were a kid and you just collapsed in the bed? Asleep before your head hit the pillow because you just worn yourself out running all day long. Isaiah says even young men in the prime of their life, in the prime of their strength, they can use up all that strength and fall down exhausted. What he's telling us is that the, the, the healthiest, the, the best, most well-conditioned among us have limited strength. But look at verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Say it out loud. They will soar like eagles. Most people I know fly more like hummingbirds. Don't they? You got that video, Anthony? Here we go. Did you take it out and blow on it? There we go. We we know how that works, right? You ever watch the hummingbird? Got to pick up the kids. Got to get the car serviced. Got to pay the bills. I got to get all this done. Got to get that project done. I got to take those files home. I got to study for that test. I'm getting weak. I can't get it all done. I'm, I'm exhausted. But have you ever seen an eagle? Switch over to the eagle there. The eagles fly like a hummingbird? I know. What does an eagle do? It soars. Man, it makes it look almost effortless, doesn't it? They, they fly, I don't know, thousands of feet. Don't even flap a wing. They soar. Those who trust in the Lord soar. We soar. There's not supposed to be all this effort and frustration and weakness and exhaustion. The wind of the Spirit is supposed to carry us. 
So are you an eagle or a hummingbird? Got to be strong. Got to be. Got to try harder. Got to be better. If I was more committed, if I was just more faithful, oh, if I work harder at it, I can get it all done. The lie is I have to be strong, but here's the truth. We have to be weak. We have to be weak and broken and vulnerable and dependent. The Apostle Paul learned this lesson. And he writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He starts off telling us something that God said to him in verse 9. Each time he said, that's God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The context of this is that Paul had something in his life that that he could not overcome. He called it his thorn in the flesh. And there's been thousands of years of speculation about what that might be. We just don't know. Some people think it was a physical problem. There are other scriptures that lead us to believe that perhaps Paul had uh, crippled legs or that he had a a problem with his eyes. Maybe that's what he's referring to. But we also know that Paul underwent terrible persecution. I mean, he faced opposition everywhere he went and ended up in prison quite a few times because of the things that he did. So, so maybe that was it. We, we don't know for sure, but here's what we do know. Here's what we know for sure. He prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take it away. Three times he begged God to take that thing away. And finally God spoke to Paul and said, my what? My grace is all you need because my power works best in what? Weakness. We have to be weak. Paul says, that's why I take what? Pleasure in my weakness. I take pleasure in my weakness. To take pleasure in the original language means to, to think that something is good. To, to think that it's something you would choose willingly. To take pleasure in something means that it's something you would embrace. Now think about that. Think about your, your weaknesses. Something good? Something you would choose willingly? Something you would embrace? What weaknesses do you need to embrace? You know, I, I, I try to be as open and honest as, and transparent with you as I can, even though it freaks some people out. They're, I don't know, they're looking for somebody that's a lot holier than I am, I guess. But I'm not looking for a spot on anybody's pedestal. See, I'm, I'm a real flesh and blood person. <laughs> Human being, I, you know, I, I've, you've heard me say I'm just like you, only more so. 
And I'm going to tell you something. As God continues to bless our church with growth, I have to embrace the weakness that I can't do it all. I can't. I, I struggle with a schedule. I, I get consumed with guilt. I mean, I, I should be a better dad. I should be a better husband. I should be there more for my family. But I should be doing more for the church. And when I buy into that lie, I'm at risk. I have to be better. I have to do more. I, I have to be strong. If I was really good, if I really cared, if I was a better pastor, I'd do this or I'd do that or I'd do some other thing. The truth is I have to embrace the weakness that I will never get it all done. And here's what's more. I'm not called to. Because I'm not good enough. But when I am honest, when I'm honest to say, God, I am struggling here and, I, and, and I'm weak. And guess what? He can do more through me in my weakness than I could ever do. In my strength. Let me tell you this. You don't have the strength to pull off what you're trying to pull off right now. You, you don't have the strength for your schedule. Some of you are trying to hold a marriage together. You don't have the strength to do that. Only God can do it. God's going to have to do it for you. Some of us are trying with all of our might to get our kids back on the right track. But you don't have the strength to do that. Neither do I. We can't change anybody. Only God can change a person. Or maybe you're in a financial hole and you're just determined. You're going to dig your way out. I'm here to tell you, you don't have the strength to do that. God's going to have to do it for you. We are not created to do this on our own. I have to be weak. And so do you. Let's read a part of... 2 Corinthians 12, 9 together. It's right up there. My grace, read it with me. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I, I, I want to help us see this verse, hopefully in a way that we've never seen it before. I, I want to, because the original Greek language is such a, a rich language and has such depth to it. I want to do something I very seldom do. I want, I want to, to share the actual Greek words with you. And if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I think it will be worth it. The first word is charis. You say charis? Charis is the word translated grace. And it literally means goodwill, um, loving kindness. It means favor that is given, not earned that is generated somewhere else and flows to us, we cannot generate it ourselves. And then the next word is archeo. It's translated in 
into the English phrase, all you need. And it literally means to tear down a barrier. It, it carries the idea of, of being exactly enough for what we need, of being sufficient. And the next English word is power. And that comes from the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word. It means the strength of an army. It means explosive power. It's used in the New Testament to talk about the working of miracles, healing power. Then comes teleao. We get our word teletubbies from that. Just kidding. <laughs> Not really. It's translated in English here as works best, but I'm going to tell you it's the same word Jesus said on the cross when he said, it is finished. It has the idea of being completed, completely fulfilled. And then the last word is asteneo, and it means sickness, infirmity, brokenness. And so here's what we have. Here's what we literally have. My charis is archeo for you. My dunamis is made teleao in asteneo. I told you you were going to hear it like you'd never heard it before. There you go. But here's how a very literal English version of those sentences would read. God's divine influence is exactly enough to meet your every need because His explosive miracle power is made completely perfect in you when you are broken before Him. I'm going to say it again. God's divine influence is exactly enough to meet your every need because His explosive miracle power is made completely perfect in you when you are broken before Him. Our spiritual enemy would love for us to believe that we can be stronger, that we can pull it off, that we can make it happen, that we can work it out. We can't. I have to be weak. So do you. This morning, if you've got too much on your plate and you can't handle it, I've got good news. You were not created to handle it. You were not created to handle it alone. You, if you will get broken before God and just admit that you are weak and that you can't make life work on your own, then God is waiting and ready to make His strength and His power exactly what you need for this moment. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Life in Graceland is not by our effort. It's not by our strength. It's not by our power. It's by His Spirit. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.